0: What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to a very special episode. Um, an extra credit, if some may say. Uh, I'm Siege, I am Tony Curtis. Uh, and today, you guys, we wanted to talk about the sag WGA strike, the double strike that um, we are all now living in. Um we know that you guys have lots of questions. We know that you guys are kind of in the same place that we are. Like everyone's just trying to figure out where do we go from here? Um uh, what is this all about? So we wanted to have this episode to kind of give you guys a conversation, talk about um how it affects us, how it affects um Hollywood, how it affects you and yeah, we just thought that it would be right to Um, or it wouldn't be right to just leave you on a high note and instead have a conversation
1: about everything. I, I think it's necessary that we have a conversation about everything because according to SAG we're not technically allowed to talk about anything else Are the stuff that we typically talk about. (laughs)
0: Yeah, the stuff that we typically talk about. uh, That's that's like first and foremost. I will say one of the things that's been most interesting um, is for content creators specifically. We live in like this limbo. Um, where we tc and i are not part of the union either the wga or the sag but we would not want to be scabs in any way shape or form in general and b if you ever want to participate in either one of those unions it is important that you are also not a scab and that you do not promote struck work um which puts us in a very interesting situation because if you're listening to this you know that the property that we promote and talk about the most is a disney property
1: yes Um, just just to kind of take away (laughs) all of the hollywoodisms (laughs) of that we siege myself actively talk about boy meets world which is owned by disney properties you might be saying hey new boy meets world episodes don't come out that is true but we wrote out to SAG. We actually emailed them because we wanted to make sure that we weren't going to be scabs and they said like hey we would prefer if you did not promote material even if it's by uh, a production that has passed if that production would be going on today and we would be striking against the company that owns it. So in layman's terms it's a Disney property we don't want to talk about Disney stuff which is a shame because we had my date with the president's daughter kind of locked and loaded so we'll release that eventually but the same thing goes. Exactly, you guys. And and trust me, we are
0: we're all learning as we go. Protests are supposed to be disruptive. So we a hundred percent live and back that. And this entire episode, I know that you're like, well, then what are you guys gonna talk about? Well, this entire episode, we wanna talk about both the SAG and WGA strike. So that is more of what this episode will be about. Hopefully you guys will enjoy this conversation.
1: Well, yeah, I, I think it's important that we kind of spell out what's the kind of the major gripes are with the strike, mm-hmm. specifically with the actor strike. Um, I know that writers and actors are both actively protesting against AI. This idea that an AI, you can have a cloned self, a twin, an AI twin is what they're like trying to make a yep. cutesy of yourself, that for a background actor, like someone who's kind of like in the background of the scenes you employ me towards, world, it would be like the kids in the classroom, that Michael Jacobs could just be like, hey, I'm going to pay you $200, I'm going to scan your body, and just for once, I'm going to pay you $200, and I'm going to own that AI forever and can do whatever I want with it. Who would sign up for this? Who thinks this is a good idea? Correct. On the other end, with the writers, you know, you have AI with ChatGPT and that, you know, the whole thing. So there's just a lot to kind of like iron out because we're at the point now where the writers and actors and, you know, basically the workers can strike and still make a disruption. Whereas if they were to wait and do this in five years or even three years, it might be too late where they late already have so many AI systems in place that they wouldn't be making as large of a disruption. So that's why it's important that like we are acting now because as we've seen, ChatGPT was like, just a, a, like, I remember in December, it was just like a this little like rumor that was going around and now it's just evolved to its like ChatGPT4 or whatever. Like it, it's yeah. like making videos and slideshows now. Like it's just, it's getting so fast that now we have to act now.
0: It's so funny that you said that. So for those of you who are like, how does this affect me? Or like, um, this is just a bunch of rich elite who are complaining because they're not getting more money. Uh, I want to explain to you and what I thought was like layman terms. um, I looked it up, the average job, the job that most people, most most of us, all of us have had at some point in time is this idea of like an office worker. And imagine if you were an office worker and your company was like, hey, you know how you write emails back and forth all the time? Well, we're going to use AI to note and look at through all of your past emails, learn the way that you run, would write an email. And then we're just going to have a robot AI algorithm write all of your emails moving forward and as you may think you're like oh god that's great i hate writing emails only issue is they're only going to pay you for one day and for the rest of time ad infinium throughout the rest of the universe they can use that ai to write all emails and you only got paid for that one day and everything else they're going to use the way that you would write, how you would respond, the language that you would use, all of those things. And essentially be you. They will even sign your signature <laughs> on those emails. But you only get paid for one day, and that is it. That is
1: one way. And imagine also, like, you know, you get an AI clone taken of yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Universal buys it and owns it. And then they mm-hmm. decide you to put in you in the movie that has you doing something that's disgusting, having you doing something that's against your moral beliefs, having you doing something like where you're a Leonardo DiCaprio type of actor, but they have you in Space Jam 3 completely devaluing (laughs) your brand. Like they would have control over all of that. And so it's also about just agency as to your own career over your own like image and your own brand. Um, You know, not really selling your soul because this is really what it is coming down to. It's like a selling your soul.
0: And uh, I used the office work example because if you don't think that they are stopping (laughs) at writers and creators and actors and all these other stuff for the sake of profits, you are sorely mistaken because they will absolutely move forward and expand this. And this is probably one of the most important strikes that we have in our lifetime at this point in time because this will set a precedent for everything else that's to come
1: you know i think the the uh biggest revelation to me in all of this and the thing i think is the most interesting i wanted to talk to you about this specifically mm-hmm. was that finding out that a majority of actors mm-hmm. make significantly less than you would think
0: significantly a
1: majority of actors because you know when you think of like actors you think of like these high you know a-list celebrities you think of the will smiths of the world you think about you know these people who have multiple houses in different countries but when you're think about this how many streaming networks are there how many streaming networks have their own Shows that they produce and how many many. (laughs) casts are those on each individual show? A majority of actors aren't getting the big bucks. They're making significantly less to the point where they can't even qualify for healthcare, which I think you need to make. 30 grand to qualify for health care. Let's check that. Mm. But it, it's it's a, it's a very small amount, like it, yes. compared to what you think it, it would need to be and how much actors are actually making. So that the, this changing this idea that actually a majority of actors are not getting paid that much, that they're just working class just like us is fascinating to me. Well, not only working class,
0: but some of them need like second and third jobs as two individuals who themselves have constantly worked in order to keep this like worked a separate job in order to do this um we know how much labor goes into creating a podcast into having just creative ideas as well as working to keep the lights on and if that's what you have to do and yet your face is all over sunset boulevard it feels like it's a problem
1: <laughs> well, and that's the, the big shocker was like and i love this transparency that's been coming out because so many actors have been going on the tiktok and being like these are the residuals i've made you've seen yeah. me in all of these shows i have to work a second job a majority of my friends have to work second jobs i didn't realize how much of a privilege it was to be an actor who didn't have to work a second job That that's actually the exception in the same way that like you know, the 1% of like people at your your company are making, you know, the big bucks, but the majority aren't. Like, it's just capitalism is screwing over everyone. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Because I can't to, wait me, to talk about that. Because to me, the most interesting and fascinating thing about all of this is that, you know, since the, you know, I want to say social media, the advent of social media, fame and notoriety has been a currency that yes. we have been selling people. Hey, go online, be a content creator. You're probably not gonna make much money, but you'll be famous. And if you get to the top level of fame, you could be a Kim Kardashian. You could be an Addison Rae. You could be someone who's able to squeeze out the 1% that's able to squeeze out from under here to get to be part of the big leagues. But by doing that, you're cranking out all of this just for the goal of getting more followers and likes, right? But if all we're doing is trying to get to the NBA, so to speak, as content creators. yeah, A bunch of people in the NBA are like, hey, we're broke. Hey, we're not well-paid. Hey, we're not taken (laughs) care of. So it's like, oh, okay. So actually we're all striving to be a part of this lie that you've been selling us, that this was the pinnacle of uh, capitalism essentially is either being wealthy or famous and we can't be either. So what are we actually working for? What are we striving so hard for as content creators? It's just the whole idea of, like social clout I think to me is coming into question because it doesn't matter I'm watching people who have tens of millions of Instagram followers telling me that they can't pay their rent because of this what's happening in Hollywood right now so it's just fascinating that whole aspect of it to me
0: see there's so much that we can be talking about but I don't think that you and I alone are ones who should be talking I feel like this is a conversation that should involve someone who actually has and continues to be on the front lines sure um you guys we have been very lucky to um not too long ago i went out to the wga protests and uh, i went out there to support the writers of boy meets world and we actually have
1: some I, pictures of that on our social media we you guys do
0: um and while i was out there i got to meet the cast protest with the cast uh had a very good and it was a very social and fun time um but we were also able to meet today's very special guest um he is the writer for a a hit sitcom, Act Your Age, which stars Yvette Nicole Brown, Kim Whitley, and Tisha Campbell. Tisha, motherfucker. I mean, like, um, talk about black Hollywood royalty. Mm. Uh, It airs on Bounce TV. He is also a Boy Meets World superfan and self-proclaimed, self-acclaimed sitcom nerd, the protege of Mark Bloodman. Ho! Ho! You guys... Miles Warden. How's it going? What's How up bro? Doing? We're doing nice well. to see y'all man. Happy fresh to have off honest. the lines. How are you fresh, doing? Fresh off the line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of history about who you are and what do you do?
2: Um. Yes I'm Miles Warden. I am a sitcom writer, half of a writing team with Capri Sampson. Uh, we, we work on shows together. We were Currently, before the strike happened, uh, gearing up for a season two of a sitcom called Act Your Age, which stars Yvette Nicole Brown and Tisha Campbell and Kim Whitley. Phenomenal cast is a Golden Girls meets Living Single type vibe, which are those that I hope we all love and enjoy. So if you love (laughs) those type of things, please tune in on that. It was also created by the amazing Alison Faust, who's worked on things like Everybody Hates Chris and My Wife and Kids, and she's also sitcom royalty, too. (laughs) <laughs>
0: I was to say, you don't even know, like, T.C. and I will absolutely have to have you on to talk about that in general. Yes. Black yeah. royalty, living single, golden girl. Well, we won't talk about that, Tisha but Campbell. today's episode.
1: Tisha Campbell.
2: <laughs> Whenever y'all want to talk about that, I can talk uh, all about that for hours. I... <laughs> absolutely. Um,
0: so how did you get into writing, first and foremost?
2: Um, I actually came out here about 10 years ago, um, I used to be a songwriter, and then uh, streaming took over songwriting as well, and that became a business that wasn't very profitable for songwriters, um, so a friend of mine uh, introduced me to television and film writing, they were like, you're a very funny guy, or whatever, have you ever tried doing TV and film, I was like, I never thought about it, but like I've always just been like a huge sitcom nerd from those type of shows that I just mentioned and whatnot. So um, I started doing it with uh, a partner named Naomi Mac in Atlanta, and um, I went to a chur- went to church for the first time, and when I went to that church, there was a pastor preaching, and the preacher stopped in the middle of his sermon, and he said, hey, you, young man, stand up. And I was looking around the church like, oh, man, somebody in trouble, and I fell asleep. What's going on? What happened? <laughs> and then he was like, no, you, stand up. So I was like, oh, man, what did I do? He was like, the Lord has given me a word for you. He's telling me you want to be a TV writer, and you need to go to L.A., and it's not going to be easy, but I see big things for you. You just got to stay the course or whatever and just wow. believe and step out on faith. So I literally stepped out on faith like a few months later, came out here. And like the the next day I was out here, I met my now current writing partner, Capri Sampson. Um, and we were doing background for... Um, for a web series, which all the footage got lost, so we're the only remain, things that remain from that web series. Um, But the director of that web series would go on to win an Oscar. It was Matthew Cherry. Um, uh, so we were on uh, the background of that show and they kept pairing us up the entire night. And they said, hey, you two, go over here and do this. You two, go to the bar, have drinks. You two, dance over here. So we're like, okay, well, I guess we're paired. We're a partnership now. So my name is in you two, what's your name? So we started talking and we all, love sitcoms and TGIF and The Boy Meets Worlds and things of that nature. And there was also a bunch of shows in that era, The Sister Sisters, The Smart Guys. There was a lot of shows that had faces that looked like us, particularly with children, uh, teen leads and whatnot, that were very cool and whatnot. And they had lessons behind them, but they were so funny, you didn't know you were learning lessons. And there was a whole genre of shows like that. And it kind of went away and we couldn't see ourselves anymore. So we decided to partner up. And make it so we could all see ourselves again.
0: I I absolutely love that. Uh, you mentioned Boy Meets World. What are your ties with Boy Meets World and Girl Meets World? So when I came out here,
2: coincidentally to write shows and like Boy Meets World, being inspired by that, that's when Girl Meets World was gearing up. The reboot, like, was just announced, like freshly when I was out here or whatever. So they started doing the tapings, and I went to one taping which led to another taping. I met some really good friends there who are now like still my closest friends to this day. Like we, cause I don't know if you've ever been to a TV taping, but when you're, when you go to a TV taping, especially for something as popular as girl meets world, you sit outside uh, for three, four, five hours to get into the taping because they overbook it. So they give you a ticket, but they say, this ticket doesn't guarantee you get in. You have to get in line early and guarantee your own entrance or whatever. So you make friends out in the line or whatever. So, I went to a few of the tapings and um, one of the tapings I went to were uh, very early on. Um, you can talk to the cast a little bit after, like, but like over a barricade. So like, but like I was a recognizable face. It's not too many people who look like me. Uh, <laughs> my not a lot of black people
1: like... in the Girl Meets World. Surprise.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so not a lot of people who look like us uh, were in the audience. So I was, th- I was standing out and uh, Ron Blanchard came up to me after one of the tapings. He was like, I, I really love your presence out here. and like I really like seeing you looking out in the audience and seeing you laugh. If I, if you laugh, I know it's really funny and cause you're like a constant presence out here. So like, I really look forward to you and I really want you to come to every single taping. And I was like, yeah. say less, I'm at every single taping. <laughs> so, and I was, I was new out here. I didn't have nothing else to do. So I literally made it to every single taping of the show um, and became like really good friends with everybody on the cast. I eventually met the writers met Michael Jacobs, the creator of both of them, and he ended up writing a letter of recommendation. He ended up eventually reading one, some of our work and then writing a letter of recommendation for us to get into the ABC Fellowship Program. Wow. I met Mark Bluntman, who is now like my biggest brother, mentor, father figure in this business. Like he tremendous help to me. Uh, we actually just pitched a show and our, we'll be pitching again after all of this ends. Um, we creating a show with Danielle Fishel. Um wow. So, we
1: yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. so it's
2: been an insane, like full circle journey for me, but like it all stems from that show and like my love and passion of that show and things like that and being inspired by
1: it. Well, you, um, your story's dope. We obviously as kids who grew up watching these sitcoms, like we we are, uh, I, I see so much of myself reflected in you. Um, You know, you've been out here, you've been writing for a while, the strike is starting to gear up. You know, what are your thoughts as like you're hearing rumors of a strike and the strike finally starting? Like, how is this affecting you personally?
2: It was crazy because um I was actually on my first uh, WGA show when all of the talks started happening or whatever. The I had worked on a previous show, but it was the animation Guild, which is IOTC and tag. And that's a whole nother in itself of why animation shows aren't a part of the writers guild, but um, I was just getting, uh, we were working on actor Age, and the talks were starting to ramp up, and like, you you finally like I became an overnight success after a decade, so like I put <laughs> I was finally like having the success and working with the people who I always wanted to work with, and like loving life, and then hearing this talk, I was like, ah oh, man, this is like it's, it's it was really depressing, but at the same time, I could see the issues all around me i was in a very privileged position being on a sitcom so like uh, a lot of the issues didn't particularly pertain to me because we weren't on a streamer and i i had a 16 episode order for the show that we were working on it wasn't an 8 to 10 episode i was being allowed on set sitcoms you get to go on set a lot of these other shows you don't so like a lot of the issues i didn't have to deal with but at the same time my friends and Everybody around me were dealing with, and I had been hearing about it for years. So I understood how broken the business model was, and how important it was to fix it. So I was fully ready for the fight. So I actually joined the Writers Guild exactly one month before the strike, um, and I, <laughs> I jumped right in. Is there,
0: right is in. I, is there was anything that? more millennial? then i've got it i have <laughs> reached the top of the mountain yeah, and then there is this event where yep. you're like god damn it well yep. you know what again i understand why we're doing what we're doing yeah but why now
2: right. <laughs> I, I literally got my card and then it was like hey you ready going straight <laughs> i was like wow i just got in the club and now the club is closed
0: what's, what's yeah, going, so- going on <laughs>
2: Like it was, it was crazy, but yeah, I mean, I was, like I said, I was fully on board. I'm I'm a fighter by nature. And I knew all of the things that were affecting me and my friends and would affect me eventually. So I was ready for the fight. So I jumped straight in and became a, a strike captain and I'm an assistant law coordinator and a strike captain at Radford. You, you guys see me over there. So like, I just, I would jump right in.
1: If it's going to be a problem, we all, we we might as well try to figure out how to solve it. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, I um my mom, I have family that listens to this in the like middle of nowhere on the East Coast, and I can try to explain to them what the writer strike and the actor strike is about in my own words, but I would love it if you could as as you know, to the people out there who are outside of the Hollywood system, you know, the basics of why the strike is happening, why it's happening now, why it's happening with writers and actors, any insight you can give on any of that. And what are the Yeah, times? like a-
0: Yeah, like I
2: said, I mean, the business model, honestly, because of what the streamers have done, it's destroyed our business. And right now we're just fighting for our fair share of the profits that from the things that we create, and we want to keep our business uh, being sustainable. It's not a sustainable business right now. And with these other companies that have come from other entities, the Amazons and the Apples to where TV and film is just a very small portion of what they do. And we know that that a lot of people in their other businesses are already working three and four jobs just to maintain a a livable wage and if it was left up to them we'd all be working three or four jobs if not completely out of the picture and ai would be doing all of the writing and then they could just pass checks and wouldn't have to worry about us because they just view us as middlemen basically in the way of a small portion of the profits even though we're only asking for a a little less than 2% overall of what the profits that they would make was just pennies in the bucket to them honestly but yeah. it's not really it's not really about the profits to them it's about hurting our union at the end of the day which is what they do in other entities as well so we're just one union that they're trying to fracture right now
1: absolutely you you had mentioned um you know, the streamers and how they're affecting your business. So someone who doesn't know, what's the difference between, um, you know, writing for a show like Boy Meets World versus writing for a show that's on a Netflix or an Amazon, like in terms of you know, being in the writer's room or being able to go on set, things like that.
2: Right. So a, a show like Boy Meets World, a network show, you would get 20, 22, sometimes 24, 25 episodes a year so you're working for nine to 10 months out of the year on this show. So it's a consistent job. And you also usually know when you're coming back or when you're going on hiatus. So it's kind of a more structured system. Like we know when the fall TV season starts for network TV, but there is no fall season for Netflix. Like shows just drop whenever they drop, which means jobs happen whenever they happen there. The jobs are also a lot shorter because it's, eight to 10 episodes versus 20 to 22 or 24. So that means you may work three months out of the year instead of nine or 10. And then, so you're looking for jobs longer now and you're going longer in between jobs. And you're also not even getting the residuals to hold you over. We used to get residuals, network residuals actually allow you to take that summer hiatus until the new season comes, or maybe you have, maybe your show got canceled and you have to be held over until your next job. But, now when you've only worked for three months and the residuals are basically non-existent 26 cent checks i don't, i know some of you probably seen the. a lot of people haven't actually just been putting their receipts on the internet yeah. so everyone can just see because we're we're going to be transparent even if they won't be we don't know what their numbers are but we're going to show you our numbers <laughs> so <laughs> we're being very transparent and you can see that the residuals just aren't enough to Pay a light bill, let alone pay a rent or anything you need to pay, especially in a city like LA if you live out here.
0: Yeah, I believe her name is Kamiko Glenn, who from Orange has is got the New Black. Yeah. Orange is the New Black, really famous from that. And she like Orange is the New Black is, I think it's like 10 years old at this point in time. Yeah. Uh it's been playing on Netflix for quite some time. It's a very popular. It was one of their foundational shows. Uh yep. and she posted a residual check from all of that. I think it was like $27.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: $27. <laughs> it's, it's disgusting. And they don't even, I mean, and we don't even know how many views these things are seeing. We They give us very cryptic like maybe this show had this many hours or they have their little chart with their show's number two on their chart for the week and whatnot, but we need the actual data and that's one of the things WGA and SAG is fighting for the most is that we need that data to, to be able to reap the benefits of our own successes
0: i'm glad that you said that because i actually like i've heard a lot about the other uh aspects of um this protest but i have not heard that you guys want transparency in the numbers like how much are we doing like like deal with us yeah
2: And, and i mean and they're hiding it because they know that if we don't know how well we're doing then we don't know how much we're worth so Correct. If
0: you don't... <laughs> Perfectly sad.
2: You know, so I, that's, I saw... that's all they're trying to do is undermine us understanding our value, but we completely understand it with or without those numbers.
1: I think the transparency, people coming out about their, you know, we were just talking about that before you jumped on about how, like, we didn't realize how many people in the industry were just like working class. Everyone assumes that everyone has Bentleys and they have multiple homes yeah. and all these things. But the truth is, is that a lot of people are just like you said, working from job to job and constantly auditioning or, you know, writing to get new shows and find new work and it's not as consistent as people may think
2: exactly um also to go into part of the question you asked me about earlier was the being on set of it all so uh when you used to be on a network show you used to be on set you help cover set while your showrunner is doing multiple things they may be rewriting the script for the next week's episode and they may also be on a call trying to figure out the props and the visual effects and like your, your showrunner is doing multiple things and the the staff was usually there on the set to A, help the showrunner out but B, also to learn to be part of the train so you know how to become a showrunner because you can see what your showrunner is doing but now because they are trying to cut corners they cut those weeks off of your off of your check so they, as soon as you write it, you're out the door on a, on a streamer show So you never even get to see a set. I know I've met people on the strike who are at co-EP level way higher than me and have never been to a set. Never. Which is like insane. Like, I don't understand. Like, it's not even smart for their own business because in a couple of years when that person is a showrunner in charge of millions of dollars that they are going to give them to run their show to make it successful, they're not going to know how to do certain things and they're not going to have that on set experience. And then it's going to jeopardize their are showing their money. So they're cutting corners, but eventually it'll catch up to them as well. But right now, that's the thing with tech companies and these type of uh, CEOs is they're very short-term minded. It's all quarterly profits and, and profit growth. It has to be growth every quarter. That's all they see. They don't see long-term. And in five to 10 years, these CEOs will probably jump to another business anyway. So they're not worried about the long-term effects on our business, but we are. So
0: This is how knowledge gets lost. This is how someone who understands, no, the camera has to go that way or the door needs to be closed for this reason gets lost. You get all of the individuals who actually have the understanding and the context behind decisions. They are um, removed from the next generation and then we just get a sub- um quality product we get more uh endangerment and it's more easy for us to be honestly taken advantage of because we don't understand the context into which all of these decisions have been made efficiency is very important but not at the sacrifice of quality
1: that's exactly it i think it's really interesting that you know the goal is to kind of replace all of these creatives with AI, I guess, <laughs> eventually, is, is it? But, you know, like, you see how well these movies have been doing that have clearly been constructed by studio heads and not creatives. Yeah. We see how well The Flash does. We see how well Indiana Jones does. All these movies that if you were to put it into an AI, this is probably the script that they would turn out. Yet you see a movie like Everything Everywhere All at Once, where it's just like, there's, there's no way a non-human could have Put, made that kind of art and yep. you see everything that like a24 is doing and you're just like there's something about the human uh, voice and and these you know all of these different uh films or tv shows that really makes a difference because when you remove creatives from the decision-making product process it just feels like shit like i don't want to go to the movies and spend 20 dollars to see something that i looks like it was decided in the boardroom yeah, yeah um you know you're on the the strike lines and you're talking to other writers that are out there picketing with you you know what kind of conversations are you hearing amongst you know your peers that are out there with you kind of you know going through this day in and day out right now I mean our optimism is
2: very high like no matter what how long this fight goes we know we will win this fight so it's just a matter of them buying their time like at the end of the day we know the outcome will be in our favor we've done this before we we will do it again um so that the, the optimism extremely high to the point where there was a conversation that leaked. I believe it was an Apple exec uh, over at a party. It was overheard saying that they're upset about how much fun we're having at the picket lines. They don't like to see us out there smiling and laughing and dancing and partying. You know, we've had our theme tickets and whatnot, and they don't they don't like to see that. Because, and they said that they can easily pay us and do what we need done but because of the optimism that not only are we giving each other, but to other unions that might use this and fight for what they need, they want to squish our hopes and make us depressed and sad, but we refuse to we refuse to play that game.
0: (laughs) I don't know, how much much, uh, knowledge do you have of like the history of protesting in this country uh, or labor unions or anything like that? Were you like a a huge union family? Do you have any history? I actually
2: didn't come from like a huge family uh, union background, but I've just been learning and like a huge fan. I've been a huge fan of this particular union for at least a decade since I knew what I wanted to do. And I've watched the different battles that they've had with the agency campaign and other almost strikes that they went through and things of that nature and I've just been a huge fan for how they stuck together and always fought for what they wanted and at the end of the day they always get what they need and it's because of the strength of their unity and now with us having the backing of SAG and it being the first double strike in 60 years that's a very monumental and huge moment so this is This moment is not lost on me at all. This is history we're witnessing uh, in real time. So it's very amazing to see.
0: Absolutely. The reason why I asked that question is because you were talking about like they want to squash our hope. And for me, it's so important that people understand that that is always the goal. Like I have done a lot of research on like the history of like unions and strikes and just labor in this country. And the thing that is the most Uh, Toxic to the powers that be uh, uh, is hope it's this uh, and unity and solidarity and everyone just being on the same page, because that. that gives everyone else motivation to not only support you, but also to join you on the lines. And I've, I've watched the videos. I've seen you out there. Y'all had y'all Beyonce day and you was doing the electric slide. (laughs) And I was like, man, I needed to be out there, but yeah.
2: Yes. That's part of like my biggest thing that I try to bring as a strike captain or assistant line coordinator at Radford is to keep the spirits up, man. Cause I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, yes, we are. It is a tough time for us. And that is not lost on us. We're all struggling with groceries or rent and things of that nature. But at the same time, like, we still can't let that keep us down the entire time. We have to remain optimistic. We have to help each other and lift each other's spirits up as much as we can. So,
1: you know, uh, I was hearing about how, you know, the executives are willing to just kind of let the writers starve it out, you know, and all that. You know, first of all, what kind of, um, you know, support systems are in place for, you know, writers and and, and actors during this time? I think I saw that food banks are helping out, you know, if if there's any support there. But also, like, I guess, what are your thoughts hearing these executives kind of, you know, uh, them uh, entertaining this idea of just letting you guys starve it out or lose your homes or apartments and things like that?
2: Yeah, we have the Entertainment Community Fund, which is a big help we have Humanitas has been giving out $100 grocery cards. Uh, my buddy, Joel, who is also a captain at Rafford, has been helping a lot of people get grocery money as well. Um, what was the other part of the question? Sorry.
1: just No, just how what, How did you feel hearing like the executives kind of be so cruel about this idea of just letting you guys was, lose your home?
2: As you said, they, uh, they operate on fear. So that happened like 24 or 48 hours right before the SAG thing fell apart. So... Like you also mentioned that they don't like to see us together, so they try to use that to say, "Hey, look, we're we're willing to let the writers go broke, and we want them to be homeless, and blah 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 blah." Almost to say, uh, if you guys want to join them, this will be your fate as well. They, they they leaked that right before SAG was trying to make a deal because they were getting nervous that SAG would make a deal. I think they took SAG lightly, and once they saw that SAG was actually willing to fight as hard as they needed to fight. They started getting a little nervous. And that was one of the tactics they took to to try to make sure we were not together because again, we haven't been together in so long. They knew what that power would be. And they did not want to see us together on the line. They knew the headlines and whatnot that SAG would also grab when they joined us and how it would just re-energize the, the news and the media and the message would get out there louder and further. And they did not want that to happen.
0: I love because I was gonna ask, what has been the difference now that SAG has joined you, the W? Ga on the picket line like what is the difference and like how does it how does it feel different and what's like tangibly different
2: it just feels empowering honestly like like i don't know if you've seen like the different memes one of the memes was like the the avengers were like they were like on your left and on On your your left Yeah, yeah it just feels like that like you're all fighting a big war and like you know you have people who are on your left and who have your back and you know that together you're even it's either it's even going to be harder to break you off and we're more likely to get things that will help us both in the future like and we're fighting for not 100 percent the same things but at the end of the day it's the same things overall like we all want a better share of the successes that of the things that we create we all want our people to be able to have a sustainable life and pay their rent pay their bills and have health care and things of that nature like it's very simple things that we're fighting for and they're Fighting against it. <laughs> you trying to Green. pay
0: bills with right. your job,
1: <laughs> right? Like, no,
2: I want you homeless, and it's like, it. bro, I can't even afford a home. Like, <laughs> like you're trying to make me homeless, and we we people got three and four roommates. Like, it's it's insane, man.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, you know, you had mentioned that there were food kitchens, there were these places that were helping out. Is there anywhere that maybe our listeners could donate if they wanted to help out with actors or writers who are striking at the moment? Um, yeah. What do you guys it?
0: need? Like, what would be helpful? How do people get involved?
2: You can donate directly to the Entertainment Community Fund. We will also love if you are in the LA area, please just drive by the picket lines and you can drop off any supplies. It's hot, so we love ice. We love water, Gatorade, things of that nature try to keep us hydrated, try to keep us safe. Obstacles are great because it's hot. <laughs> Anything to cool us off, honestly. Um, and yeah, but like those donations, you can also then, if you go to specific lots, you can probably donate directly to the lot coordinators and to the captains so they can buy supplies that they need. We've been buying extra umbrellas to try to keep our picketers cool. We've bought misters. We've bought other things so you can donate. In a lot of ways, but the entertainment community fund is the easiest one to do.
0: Can hey, y'all have alcoholic popsicles? Cause like I'm trying to get it turned. So.
2: There has been alcoholic, <laughs> uh, like a like a margarita mixer picket. I didn't make it to that one, so I don't know. I, I was at Rafford that day, but I have heard. So if you want to bring some some alcoholic popsicles, through I'm pretty sure that's fine, bro. Absolutely, <laughs> it's a hundred
0: degrees in L.A. You got to get by somehow. Yeah, exactly.
2: exactly. Start happy hour a little early. I'm with it.
0: is there anything else you want our listeners to know uh about the strike about um the way that things are
2: i just want everybody to know that we appreciate all of the support even if it's just like a tweet like every single thing you do like we hear you and it matters and again like when it comes to knowing people are on your left or have your back knowing that the public is is with us in this fight it really does help us get through our long crazy hot days that we're going through like we're not doing this just for us again like you said like it's will come back on the content in five ten years they will regret this the execs so we don't we don't want to have to wait and then to say i told you so we want to stop that while we can and make sure the content remains what it should remain and make sure that these customers who are paying all of these money for these 18 million streamer services get
1: exactly <laughs> that they deserve <laughs> for
2: sure
0: Sure. Absolutely. Miles, it has been so much fun talking to you. Like, I I yeah. I'm actually I'm happy that you were able to join us. I really appreciate it. But I can't wait to have I you on wait. for that's, an episode where we for, can just yeah. television because you are our people. So yeah, for sure. I'm
2: I'm ready, man. Whenever y'all want
0: it. Uh, also, I want to ask, what's the next theme? Protest
2: hmm so this hasn't even been announced but uh i will announce it here we are going to do a janet jackson picket
1: oh oh, <laughs> oh
0: what have you so done for me y'all lately get the exclusive yeah. yes
2: <laughs> we're working on locking in the date but look out for that real soon i will be sure to let y'all know
0: oh absolutely we'll be there
2: thank you so much been a pleasure yeah. y'all
0: How wonderful meeting so wow oh my god how phenomenal like he's he's a great personality so knowledgeable and again i cannot express i'm just honored that he like took the time to join us
1: well i'm (laughs) glad that we found a good fit for our podcast because for a bra meets world to have a guy who was at every episode of girl meets world and then worked his way into the the family of the the crew
0: protege
1: of mark blutman like is Uh, the bra of bra meets world
0: (laughs) the bra bra meets world honestly uh we we thank you so much miles for joining us i want everyone to know that it's important to not only know what we're doing now but to know what we have been doing as a nation as a workforce in this country Mm. um i have been reading the book uh, a People's History of the United States. Um, it is a 1980 book that was republished in 2009. Um, and I just want to read you an excerpt of what I read in uh, one of the chapters. It says, in Why 19- do I feel like you're about to tell me a, a horror movie? <laughs> 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 wait, 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 wait. Actually, just l- let let me know if you hear anything that's familiar. Okay. It okay. Says, in 1907, there was a panic, financial collapse, and crisis True, the very big businesses were not hurt, but profits after 1907 were not as high as capitalists wanted. Industry was not expanding as fast as it might, and industrialists
1: began to look for ways to cut costs. So, Wait, that... I'm sorry, you said, <laughs> I think you must- because you, you kept saying 1907. I think 1907. Say no, no, are you, no. Are you sure I didn't say 2007? Because that 19, sounds a lot I'll like 2007.
0: It. This is this is what we've been, 2007, 2022. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. this, this is a fight that we have been fighting. And I have to let you guys know the only way that anything has ever changed was by the people saying,
1: that's not going to work for us. Okay, I have to talk to you about this because now FedEx is talking about going on strike. UPS? And I think is UPS, yes, and I think it's really interesting because he was like. Uh... He was like, Miles is saying, oh, they want to make an example out of us because they're setting a precedent. And I think that's probably more true than a lot of people realize, because there are a ton of different workforces right now. Teachers, um, you know, hospital workers. There are so many people who need unions right now or who are in unions that aren't getting, well, uh, you know, their fair share of things. That yeah. I really do feel like if you have the most popular, rich, beautiful people in the world saying that we're not getting ours, yeah, like I, it's like having all the cool kids start a, a club. It's like, well, the cool kids are starting a club, but they're starting a club for my human rights, so I <laughs> think I'm gonna join that <laughs> club. You never made that, I love club that. attractive, <laughs> yeah, again. And and I, I love what you
0: said, this is only the beginning. Um, and again, if you don't think that this affects you, trust me. If, it, if they don't do what they're doing, it will absolutely affect you in the long run. So, um, you guys, as we said, we wanted to have this episode to make sure that we spoke about where we are, what we're doing, why the strike is happening.
1: Oh, can I just say one thing? You know, we're not supposed to promote any properties that belong to companies that are being struck against. But if you... Own Disney, for example. <laughs> maybe you should watch your own movie called Newsies and learn <laughs> a little bit about what's going on right now because you made an entire movie about the big company squashing the little guy and then remade it <laughs> again into a musical. So clearly it's a story that resonates with your company. Maybe as the CEO, you should take a look at it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and everyone else, thank you so much for listening to this very extra uh, credit episode we want to make sure that you are um checking out miles and his work um again we want to make sure that you are doing what you can to um, support the strikers the sag and wga we will uh, include links to both the funds um in our description and overall we want to thank you guys for listening this far uh as we have said we are not allowed to cover any struck work we may or may not do episodes like this um where we have an interview with someone who's on the lines to kind of talk about where things are um if anything else as you guys know we were already planning on having like a little hiatus because i will be away over the next few weeks for personal things so know that we are here we are excited about season 7 we can't wait to talk to you guys and have more conversations but um we are standing with the strikers until that moment comes so uh T is there anything else you want to say
1: yeah guys let's burn it all down let's <laughs> let's cancel <laughs> all of our <laughs> online subscriptions we don't have to do all of them. Let's just all pick them up. <laughs> August. Let's just all of us cancel Netflix and see what happens.
0: Oh, you know what? No one's pr- proposed that. And I'm there for that. Like just everybody pick Once one. Once a month or-
1: we pick one and we just all cancel it for that month. Just as a fuck you to the to the man. Like and we I save the, the money in this economy. And this <laughs> we all need to save money anyway. We've all been like on that, you know, that screen scrolling. What do I watch? What do I watch? Just get rid of it, guys. Just Let's let's really step into this head first. Burn it all down. I'm here for this fight. All right, you guys. Uh, in the
0: meantime, remember to dream. To try. And this is the good we're talking about. Do good.
1: Fight the power. Totally. All
0: right. Later, bruh. Later,
2: bruh.